I think what I see in a lot of, you know, young organizations or, you know, and you probably do too in smaller ones, just a lot of micromanagement right now, letting team members run with stuff, not letting them make mistakes. Um, so I think I love having those conversations early and going, hey, I know you're totally going to blow it at some points and that's okay. Because if you're not blowing it, that means you're not really trying or you're not attempting something that's, you know, difficult, right? You're just staying safe and we don't, we don't want that. Here's the thing. The fastest growing companies in the world, they're small businesses, often with less than 100 employees. So how are gritty entrepreneurs, CEOs, and founders like us going up against massive markets, scaling teams, building systems, and skyrocketing to success before crashing and burning? This podcast will give you those answers. My name is Chris Ronzio. Welcome to the fastest growing companies. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Chris Ronzio, founder of Trainual, and I'm here today with David Darmstandler. He is the CEO and co-founder of Datapath. Hey, David. How are you doing? Awesome. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. All right. So you, tell us real quick, what is Datapath all about? What do you guys do? Yeah, sure. Uh, Datapath is a managed service provider. So we manage you know, networks, servers, cloud for organizations. And we're also what's called a managed uh, security service provider. So we manage uh, cybersecurity for companies. So we, we keep the bad guys out. Got it. And is there a specific type of customer, size customer, industry you work with, or is it anyone that has computers? <laughs> no, um, you know, over the years, uh, as, as we've uh, kind of, you know, grown, we've realized who we work best with. So we, you know, about half our business is comprised of, you know, fast growing companies. So organizations that have technology needs and, you know, really uh, live or die by technology. So, uh, you know, those industries kind of pretty much represent, you know, distribution, manufacturing and kind of stuff. On their side, the other half of our business is K-12. So we do a lot of public school districts um, and it's pretty much split down the middle. And so that's, um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's nice to have that mix of customers because you get to see some, you know, um, different size leaderships, you know, kind of how those organizations work and um, at different scales for sure. Got it. I'd love to get into that split of uh, the different type of customers as we talk. But first, why this business? What, when did you start it? And what was what was the reason for starting it? Yeah, sure. Um, well, really, I, you know, I, my the other co-founder, James, um, we've been good friends since uh, third grade. So we actually, um, you know, kind of came together to kind of start working on a business plan when we were in our you know early 20s. And he had already kind of started doing some IT consulting, had a few customers. Um, and I, I had started another company up in Sacramento and I left that to come, you know, work with him and start Datapath together. And um, it's kind of all history from there. So, <laughs> Well, you're, you're writing history. I mean, you're growing crazy fast. Uh, and from the last few years when you had 29 people to today, you said about 57, you've also added a lot of people to the team over the last few years. So what do you think has been you know, the, the secret sauce behind your explosive growth? Is it a, a certain connection, a certain service, a certain uh, referral? Like what, what made you tick up into the right? Yeah. So, you know, I, I mean, from like philosophically, I would say it's just that our team is focused on just being better every day. So, um, you know, I, I think that's been a huge part of it and really just having, you know, building out a leadership team. And I don't mean just like a set of people. We're constantly working to develop each of our team members um, in areas that, you know, they would like to learn or, or feel like they're weak. So I think, um, 
just you know putting into place uh, processes and you know how we're going to mentor and career path people to get them kind of where they're most passionate has been a huge part of it. Um, and then obviously you know zooming out you know it's the same side to you know talk to customers and go okay what's what's working that we're doing and what totally sucks and so as long as we're constantly um, remain humble and don't think we know everything and we're willing to listen to both our team members and our customers, I think that's been a huge part of it for sure. It sounds so simple, but the, the, the listening is something that so many businesses just don't do. Like they're, they don't ask, they don't provide the avenue for people to give that feedback, customers or employees. So what is your take on, on, on the cadence of that feedback? How do you make sure that you're having the career path discussions or you're asking your customers for feedback? Do you have anything operationalized for that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're big on, um, uh, net promoter score. So we, you know, we use some applications that every interaction with a customer, we're looking for the most simplistic way just to get some feedback. So I think at this point, it's like some dancing thumbs up and thumbs down and, you know, an email that they got to click, um, gives them some opportunity for additional surveys and that kind of stuff. And then, yeah, just a regular cadence in person with those customers will now obviously mainly zoom depending on the customer and our team member, but, um, you know, just, usually at least once a quarter that we're sitting down and doing a real thorough, like, okay, where are we good? Where are we weak? Um, what's working for you? You know, what's going on with you guys? Um, you know, are we aligning? Uh, and then with our team members, um, it's at least twice a year on the career pathing side. And in fact, right now we're in the middle of um, just gutting that whole thing and starting over again, because, you know, we realize like we, you know, like anything you get into it and it's like, man, we made this way harder than it needed to be, particularly on managers, right? It was just like super time consuming and it kind of takes the, the love out of it, right? They're focused more on the activities than they are like the core, the meat of why we're even doing it. Um, and that's, the, you know, I think that's every organization, right? You get like halfway down the trail and you're like, man, we totally forgot why we're even here and why we're doing these things and why it even matters. And, but those things do matter. Right. And, uh, and then, you know, on the other side, too, we try to do a lot of, um, I don't know what you guys are doing, but we're just trying to do a lot more company Zooms and like all company stuff that we're finding a way to connect um, and just keep things real, even though we're physically separated because we don't have a whole lot of people in our offices. Um, you know, we, unfortunately, middle of COVID, we just, we just finished our brand new big old headquarters. There's like three people in it, right? It's 14,000 square feet. It's such a bummer. It's such a beautiful space, but we're the same. it doesn't even we're matter. You know I mean? What matters is that, you know, people are, are safe and, you know, we've got the, in California, we've got the issue with, you know, kids, kids are not at school, so they're at home. So, you know, we can't necessarily ask all of our team members to come back to the office because right. they didn't watch the kids. So, but simple things like we've even done uh, recently, we just did, core value stickers, right? Um, so took all of our core values, we're big on, we're huge on those. And um, this gives them physically something to pass out. And then also there's digital versions that we can just plop on all kinds of stuff through on emails. And it's just to remember, right? Like why we're doing what we're doing and the way you're supposed to live and work if you are a data path, right? So. Such a cool idea. I've never heard of core value stickers. So that's, uh, I just wrote it down on my iPad. That's a fun thing I want to look into. But there there was something you said there that I want to just rehash for everybody listening, um, because you may not even realize you said it, but you said that you're revamping a process entirely because it got too complex. And I think so many people put processes in place and then their teams, their people just think, well, this is the way we do it. And they don't have it in their DNA to revise process and iterate and improve. And so the fact that you do that intentional or not, 
inside your business, I think is probably one of the secrets to your growth, which is, you know, kudos for that. That's awesome. And then the tip about NPS, net promoter score for anyone that's listening that doesn't do that. It's such an easy way to just collect feedback regularly from your customers. So great points there. Thanks for making those. Um, Let's go back to the earlier days when it was you and your friend that started this thing. Uh, I imagine at the beginning you were doing a lot, wearing a lot of hats. Uh, what were the first couple hires you made to take things off your plate? Yeah, we actually, uh, we've got some horror stories around that. Um, my, uh, partner and I, James, I, you know, I, it was the first year actually within a few months we needed to hire, um, you know, we essentially kind of got going and we landed on some large contracts out the gate, uh, kind of sold them and then went home and went, okay, you know, how the hell are we going to fulfill these things? Right. Um, so you know, we uh, didn't know anything about hiring. We kind of hired a guy that we knew, um, you know, just as an acquaintance and uh, just kind of being like a total disaster. You know, it was just like every um, HR issue you could have with an employee, I feel like we had with that first guy. And, uh, you know, and he's still a friend today. So it's like, you know, we still catch up here and there, but, you know, and he knows what where we were at in our stage of, you know, business and he knows where he was at personally. So, it's just kind of funny to, you know, reflect back and go, okay, these are, uh, you know, made us realize that, um, you know, it's, it's really in that beginning when you're hiring, it's the most critical part, especially as a leader. And I think for those leaders that even as they get larger, um, uh, you know, still to this day, you know, my partner, and I still interview everybody because we want to make sure it's not that we don't trust our team, but we really want to make sure that like they're in it for the long haul. And, you know, they're, primarily that they're going to fit and gel well with risk for culture. We're not looking for them to be like everybody else. In fact, we're looking for a little bit of that rub, but we're looking for those values to line up. Um, right. And that's, uh, it's really difficult, right? You know, it takes, you know, it's, it's been a number of years for us now doing this. And so it, it takes time to, to know how to like ask the right questions and pick those things out. And, and so, um, you know, picking the right team members to us is the most critical. And that was, you know, kind of what we learned out the gate. Cause you know, yeah, it was, um, what we called second shift, you know, we work a full day and feel like we worked a whole second day before the night was up. Um, <laughs> it was just working into the evening all the time, uh, weekends, whatever. Uh, but that's, you know, that's part of the grind, right? So, so hiring acquaintances is code for disastrous hiring. It sounds like, um, you've gotten better at it, baked in core values into your interview process and still have, you know, keep a, a pulse on that. What, what are some of the other, hard parts, I guess, about having grown your team? Has there been much you've had to let go of or, or what have you learned over the years? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, to uh, to just realize, you know, where you're weakest, I think is a, is a huge part of it and being honest about it. Um, I think what I've seen a lot of, you know, young organizations or, you know, and you probably do too, and smaller ones, just a lot of micromanagement, right? Not letting team members run with stuff, not letting them make mistakes. Um, so I think I love having those conversations early and going, Hey, I know you're totally going to blow it at some points and that's okay. Cause if you're not blowing it, that means you're not really trying or you're not attempting something that's, you know, difficult, right? You're just staying safe and we don't, we don't want that. So, um, so I, you know, I think that's a, a definitely a complex thing to overcome is, as, a, as somebody that started an organization, you see a lot of, uh, you know, different, uh, you know, leaders that really 
struggle to ever let go of that stuff. And I think it, I think it really keeps them from expanding and growing. I think it's, you know, it's, it's impossible really. If you're not blowing it, you're, you're not, uh, you're not pushing hard enough. Or you said there's some quote there. I can't wait to pull out because it, it, that's setting the expectation that it's okay to mess up. I think it's such an important part of letting go and delegation and training. So great point there. Was, was there ever a point in the, the last few years in this growth journey that you thought, man, I don't know if this business is going to make it like some things are not going well, or has it been smooth sailing? Oh, no, no, it's never, there's never like a year where it's just, I mean, you know, and it's hard because you don't know what you're comparing yourself to, right? Um, I think we're really hard on ourselves. Um, but, you know, there's definitely, you know, I think COVID for sure, right? That first, uh, right when COVID hit, you know, there was just so much uncertainty on all levels, right? You know, business, you know, all of a sudden um, customers were a little you know, for a short period there were, you know, a little bit more cautious with how they were spinning. There was all these uh, elements with team members that you're dealing with and emotions of, around, you know, illness and, you know, economically, are they going to be okay? And I mean, all these things that, you know, you had to kind of juggle as a leader. Um, so, I mean, that was, that was really kind of, you know, terrifying in many ways, right? And, and as a leadership team, we just went, hey, how do we, um, you know, this is, this is kind of our, our time, right? So um, you're probably too young for the, uh, for the Goonies thing, but you know, um, this is, this is our time, right? Like this is our time to, to uh, kind of really show ourselves as leaders and, and we're navigating something that really hasn't been navigated or at least it's been, you know, over a century. So how do we, um, how do we take care of our team members? How do we take care of our customers? Um, how do we make sure our, you know, our team members stay safe and our family stays safe? So there was a lot to, you know, that, that was probably, you know, maybe the same for you. It's probably the most difficult period in leadership I've ever experienced. Um, and I'm, uh, you know, excited to say that we, I feel like we navigated it pretty well and, and we did the you know, best we could with the information we had. And I felt like, information was constantly changing. So it was like, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, in the end, what was weird about it was, you know, we had, uh, you know, business change for, you know, maybe six weeks there. And then all of a sudden it was like accelerated growth, um, yeah. at least in our business. Right. So, uh, but it was hard because, you know, we have, I've got a lot of buddies and probably do too that own restaurants and stuff like that. And that was really difficult to watch. Um, you know, you felt, we felt the pain for our local community. So we, you know, we, even though there was uncertainty, you know, we went and did like, we went and bought, you know, thousands of dollars in gift certificates in local restaurants for our, you know, our team members and passed them out and said, Hey, go, you know, go take your, you know, go get dinner for your family to go on Friday or Saturday or whatever. Um, things, anything we could do that obviously lined up with our values, but also said, Hey, we're going to support our local communities where we're at and we're going to, we're going to help these guys out. So. Uh, that's great to hear you did that. I know earlier on you mentioned doing more Zoom calls and trying to connect and build culture. Uh, I know for us, that's been really important over the last year. So is there anything you've done to help keep people together when they're more remote than usual? Yeah. So, I mean, like in the beginning, probably like all firms, we did like drinking hours and stuff like that, right? Like grab a beer. And I think that um, that lasted for a little bit. Uh, I you know, I, I think it, you know, like anybody, I think our team members were like Googling, hey, what can we do, uh, you know, <laughs> to uh, stay connected via Zoom, right? Uh, which was really difficult. 
I, um, you know, the other things we did was a lot of like, we tried to, you know, take funds that we would have used for like our normal company get togethers. And instead we made them for the families. So we did like dinner and, um, uh, you know, dinner and movie nights. So we gave them a movie gift certificate and paid for dinner and, you know, sent home some like and that kind of stuff. Nice. Um, on a tactical level, um, I know I keep a spreadsheet, a number of other leaders internally. Um, you know, we, we have our you know, regular morning check-ins as teams um, every morning. Um, but we've also, as leaders, the one-on-one time, we actually keep spreadsheets of the last time we connected with each individual team member, even if it's for 15 or 20 minutes, just to make sure that we're on a regular cadence you know, over Zoom at a minimum, just going, hey, how are you doing? Talk to me about, you know, like the, the morning check-ins are great from a tactical standpoint for business, but we're having separate meetings that are like, hey, you bring to me what you want to talk about. You can just talk about fishing. Like, I don't, you know, like talk about whatever <laughs> yeah. hobby you have. You don't have to talk about work. It's just about connection. Yeah. Um, that's kind of changed, I think, the vibe for everybody. It's funny because sometimes even in those group meetings where we're doing those, like we're doing kind of a multi-person, like just, Hey, let's just hang out and let's just talk about life. Um, somebody will start diving into work and everybody be like, no, no, no. Like, you know, no, like shut it down <laughs> take 20 minutes and just talk about, you know, talk about life and talk about where you're at, how you're doing, how you're feeling about things. Um, or just like, like I said, just like random hobbies. I mean, it's just funny. Or just like stories that, the other one that's kind of fun is like, you know, tell us something nobody would know about you. And it's just like pretty crazy. I mean, we had one guy that like had worked in the circus as a kid. I mean, dude, it was just like these like <laughs> incredible stories that like you could never, there's no way you would know that stuff, right? Unless you had taken the time to actually ask and, and check in. So that's cool that that you call each other out too, because you know, it's it's so easy to get back on the work topics. Like even my my brother is our CMO. I'll call him sometimes on the weekend and we'll be trying to talk about like you know, he, he went sledding with his wife or something like that. And somehow it ends up turning into like a, like Facebook cost of acquisition <laughs> conversation. <laughs> it's like, how did we get here? So it's good to have a, a, a referee for that. Um, all right. So I want to circle back earlier. We talked about, you kind of split your client base into these high growth companies and these K to 12 education companies. Um, has that been, that focus really propelled your growth or what would you say has been, uh, has been part of what's helped you scale on the customer side? Yeah, I definitely think it has for sure. Um, you know, as, as we've adulted as an organization, as we like to say internally, um, you know, in the beginning, we we're kind of like a funnel where we're like, we'll just take anything and we soon like realize we just can't be good at those many that many things, and we're kind of doing a disservice to you know the customer and to our team members to not you know have a level of focus um, and expertise. And you know that we're realizing that really comes in in kind of you know we're uh, we have a, a much better chance of propelled growth through having like an industry focus and industry expertise than to just kind of throw this wide net out there and hope that we catch a bunch of different stuff or be an expert in everything. And that is probably one of the harder things. I mean, I think it was probably six or seven years ago, we had about 440 customers. Um, we reduced that down to 55. Wow. And really painful, but the, uh, the Chinese fire drills kind of went away, right? Like just this like, craziness like you know if you played that as a kid but you get in the car and it's like everybody switches you know seats or whatever it's like it was just like this 
you know, constant chaos. And, you know, since we kind of went to more of this industry focus, it helped to quiet things internally and allow people to be, um, you know, really focused on, you know, kind of their craft, right? Which I think ultimately is what, you know, most professionals want to be, you know, allowed to do. Um, yeah. So I think between that and then also just the the respect you gain from the customer base, right? And then allows us to kind of go, um, you know, essentially go up in size as to the customers we're servicing. Um, and so it's really, uh, you know, that level of focus is, has changed a lot. And we've done some, you know, focus-based exercises internally where we've hired, um, you know, some consultants and stuff like that to help us kind of really just um, zero in our focus on, you know, on markets in particular. So yeah. uh, some of that obviously got derailed. Some of those real big plans got derailed with COVID last year, but, you know, we still, you know, continue to um, stay on that track. I think it really has helped though with, with scaling for sure. The specialization is such a key point here. Like the the repeatability of what you're doing creates more profitability and it creates more referability. And so it sounds like you've really doubled down on that. So looking ahead then, uh, where to from here? What's next for Datapath? Yeah, so uh, we've we finished a couple smaller acquisitions, um, one in 2018 and one in, uh, you know, last year actually in the middle of COVID pretty much. So we, in July, we... We acquired a small um, uh, provider like us down in Orange County, and we're gonna, you know, really our our plan is to do at least one a year. So if not two, depending on you know kind of the bandwidth we have and if we can find the right organizations to join us. So that's been a huge part of um, kind of our growth strategies to kind of grow, um, you know, both geographically and in talent as we you know find these you know additional targets. So um, that's a huge part of kind of where we're we're going at the moment. So. That's great. Well, for everyone listening, I mean, you heard from David, his path over the years, growing their team size pretty dramatically, specializing in on a couple of industries, putting some intense focus on their core values down to buying core value stickers, (laughs) collecting feedback from their customers, from their employees, specializing. All of these things have been recipes for their growth over the years. David, if people want to connect with you after the fact, where can they find you? Sure. uh, Really, you know, Obviously, the best place is you know LinkedIn. So there's not many darn stealers out there. So you'll you'll find me pretty easily. Um, and obviously, on uh, uh, I love Instagram. So just at darn Stanler. So awesome. Well, connect with David Darm Stanler on LinkedIn, on Instagram. Hopefully, you can borrow a page from his playbook as you're writing your own. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you next time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Fastest Growing Companies podcast. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. If you found the information helpful, share it with your friends and family that can benefit from it. You can also find Trainual's company account at Trainual, just like a training manual. We'll see you next time.